The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at McCarthy 74 On this week's show, our special VIP guests are the Cork Senior Camogie players and manager Matthew Toomey following their magnificent All-Ireland Senior Camogie final win over Waterford at Croke Park. The Big Red Bench was on the pitch immediately afterwards to get the Rebels' instant reaction. This week's other VIP special guests are Munster Women's Rugby's Nicole Cronin and Kate Flannery, ahead of this weekend's Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship opener away to Ulster. We'll also hear from our rugby expert, Wendy Keenan. Resident Red FM Formula 1 expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me to discuss all the latest F1 off-track headlines, including some intriguing contract rumours. And finally, West Cork LGFA Club, Iban Ladies, Gaelic Mothers for Others are heading to Crow Park on Sunday. We'll speak to some of the players involved ahead of a momentous occasion for those players. That's all to come on this week's Packed Women in Sport podcast. Cork 5-13, Waterford 9 points was the final score from last Sunday in Crow Park, where an Amy O'Connor hat-trick inspired the Rebels to Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Camogie senior final success at the expense of Waterford. All this in front of a record attendance of 30,191 at Croke Park. Matthew Toomey's side erased the hurt of losing the 2021 and 2022 All-Ireland deciders by overcoming their Munster rivals and bringing the O'Duffy Cup back to Leeside for the first time since 2018. Leading 1-9 to 3 points at the break on the back of Sarsha McCartan's brilliant first half goal, Cork moved up a couple of gears immediately after the interval. Captain Fantastic Amy O'Connor took centre stage, netting a stunning hat-trick in three minutes. Fiona Keating raised another green flag and the Rebels eventually ran out the most convincing of all Ireland final winners. I was lucky enough to be on the Croke Park pitch immediately afterwards on behalf of Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench where I got the immediate thoughts of a delighted Ashling Thompson, Amy Lee, Libby Coppinger, Sarsha McCartan and Matthew Toomey. You'll also hear from Cork's Croke Park press conference courtesy of the Echo's Rory Noonan which was held immediately after Sunday's triumph where Laura Tracy, Maeve Cahalan, Amy O'Connor and the Cork senior manager did their best to express their delight and relief at becoming 2023 All-Ireland Senior Camogie Champions. But first, here is the hat-trick hero and winning Cork captain Amy O'Connor just minutes after her player of the match performance. Amy O'Connor, hat-trick hero, All-Ireland champion. How does this feel? Unbelievable, like a dream. Um, yeah, hard to put it into words, to be honest. Three goals in three minutes. Did you even think I didn't even think you, were, you could manage that, but you finished them brilliantly. But what about the build-up play? Ah, sure, it was easy just to tap them in. You know, all the girls did all the hard work. Uh, I had the easy job of putting them into the net, so, yeah, just delighted. And just finally, because I know they're celebrating and it's pouring rain, but what does this mean after the last two years' heartache? Unbelievable, it's just relief. That's the word I would use to describe it. So, yeah, we're just delighted. We look forward to this now. Go enjoy it, girl. You deserve it. Well done. Thank you. I think we just came so far. I think, obviously, in the beginning of the year, things were very questionable. And, you know, I think just as the year went on, we kind of had to take a step back and say, look, you know, we're not doing ourselves any justice, especially with the last four years, four seasons, you could say, without silverware, like, it's just been extremely disappointing. And sometimes you just need those rough starts at the season to check yourself and... I think that's exactly what we did. Individuals went away, they worked on themselves and just to be here today to get over Kilkenny, Galway and then over Waterford in the final is just surreal. Like it's, it's extremely hard to put into words but I'm just so, so proud of everyone. 
a panel effort this year rather than a team effort. Fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was probably the difference behind it all. Like, I think Cork have probably struggled massively in terms of having a good, you know, 2025 to bring on to that team. And not only was there competition on the first 15, there was competition on the bench. You know, and, and that's kind of the way the game has gone too. I mean, it's so physical. It's There's so much athleticism in the game that 40, 45 minutes, do you know what I mean, is enough for a player to give, especially on All-Ireland Final Day. And for the girls to come off the bench, the likes of Clean Healy, Orla Cronin, Orla Cahillan, you've Laura Hayes that came in there today, Maeve Murphy. Do you know, and then the extended panel, like the likes of Kate Wall, Emma Murphy, who would have all got shouts like during the year, Ali Smith. It's just... Those girls have probably been the ones driving it in training and it's the reason why we're here today. Congratulations. Go enjoy it. Thank you so much. I'm here with Amy Lee and I'm here with Libby Coppinger following a fantastic Cork all Learning victory. It's pouring rain on the Crow Park turf. Do you care, Amy Lee? Absolutely not. <laughs> Take all, all my will now not to say a couple of swear words in this, but like, unbelievable. And there's a massive Cork crowd. Everything about today was, was just fantastic. Like, Was the hurt of the last two years what drove you on? I suppose you could say that as well, but like we have done very well to put it behind us. We've really focused on ourselves this year in terms of our hurling, our fitness, our game. Everything has been just us, and I think it really showed today that like we performed and we performed to what we thought we could, and we did. Fantastic penalty save as well. I had it covered anyway. <laughs> I knew you'd say that. I'm delighted for you. Fantastic year for you. Well done. Go enjoy Thanks. it. Thanks you. Amy, there she goes, punching the air, Livy Coppinger. Congratulations, All-Ireland winner. How does that sound? Oh, it's unreal. Yeah, we just look, the whole year, the last couple of years we've been looking for this. And like Amy said, it's just been about us this year and we know we came right at the right time, thankfully. Um, they put it up to you in the first half. You needed Sarsha's goal and then they missed the penalty, but those three goals from Amy O'Connor start the second half. Gave you the breathing room you needed. Exactly. Like, look, there was no doubt about it. They were going to come and give us our, give it their all. Um, so we just wanted, we kind of knew we had to weather the storm. And at halftime, we just said we wanted to play on our terms. And those goals at the start of half, uh, the second half, just, yeah, it was it was unreal. Delighted to see that on the other side of the pitch. <laughs> a word, too, for the full-back then that you were part of, not just today, but those last three games against Galway and Kilkenny as well. You've been outstanding. How much did those two games bring you on ahead of this? Ah, uh, like, massive. I suppose, like, like that, we've been building since the start of the year you know we had a tough a few games in a row and then ever since that second Galway game we've just been building and coming up and coming up and like the group there is unreal you know people sat it in people sat it out Amy's phenomenal behind me always eating the way and yeah we're just we're delighted to get over the line it's a great crew after all the jewel headlines jewel this jewel that you're an all-earning champion must feel a lovely feeling for all that effort but a lot of people from your home area in Kilkill came up today as well. And a lot of people are very excited about that. Uh, your dad sent me on a picture of his forehead. I think it was with you in the background. But aside from that, how happy are you for them? Oh, like they're, they're the best. My family are incredible. The people of Cullums are incredible. And, you know, I suppose they've been here the other two years when we've lost. So it's just great to be able to give them that. You know, the support is just unwavering. And we're just, you're delighted to do it. Must go over and see them now and celebrate with them all. But we're delighted. Go enjoy it. You deserve it. I'm delighted for you and for the whole Cork team. Well done. Thanks a million, Jerry. Uh, Sartre, first of all, congratulations. Fantastic day for Cork Camogie, but for you too, um, you delivered a brilliant performance today. And what about that goal? And what about that celebration? Yeah, a bit of fists up to the crowd, yeah? Oh, God, I don't know. I think it was just the adrenaline going through me. But yeah, like, like I'm never speechless for words, but this, this one day I am like... What a grip and what a performance we put in today. And, you know, I think we really deserved it after last year's, you know, it was really disappointing. And we came back and we knew that we had put in a huge effort throughout the year. And, look, things didn't go away throughout the year. But, look, we're absolutely delighted to get over the line today. And, yeah, buzzing. 
was that turning point losing to Waterford in Munster because it gave you time to regroup and by God did you come back against yeah. Kenny and Gala? Like completely, like even the first goal game I think we performed, we just didn't convert. But like now we've, we just, um, I suppose we worked on that and the, then it started to pay dividends when we started to come up into the bigger games and Liam Cronin's a massive credit to him for, for really helping us concentrate on, on, on that and get it done. What does it feel like in Croke Park to be a winner? Because you know what it feels like to lose and all in final day. Oh, it's unbelievable to be honest with you. Like, as I said, I'm speechless and uh, I think I'll remember this here for the rest of my life. I think we all will. Congrats, go enjoy it. Cheers, thanks, Mel. I'm standing on the pitch Look at that, no. with the Cork manager, Matthew Toomey. Last year we stood in the same pitch and it was heartbreak. Today it is redemption, fantastic all-round performance. You must be overjoyed with the whole panel. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Um, I, I think we had plenty of conversations down through the year. You know, things were dicey. We never gave up on the players. The players drove us on the whole time. It's just been their credit. Like, and we, we knew that someday if we clicked, we were going to get this kind of a score. And like you know, today we got five goals. It was other days our conversion rate wasn't great, but to get five goals today, like we, we were mad keen to get a good um, third quarter and to get three goals in five minutes. So dreams are made of it. Like was it the panel this year, Matthew, compared uh, to previous Absolutely. years? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I think we bottled a lot of hurt last year. Like we didn't kind of uh, do not pay in it too much, but we just bottled it. And uh, we had an unbelievable meeting Friday night, and we just said, look, let's use this. We don't want to fucking come back here again. And I have to hurt again, so look, it's, it's all credit to the players, they're, they're brilliant. And we got a great coach in this year, Liam, and, and the rest of the management, they've been, they've been fantastic. We stuck together, like. I'm delighted for you, everyone in Red FM is delighted for you. Go and try it. Thanks very much, sir. Fair play. See you, buddy. Yeah. We couldn't see how we'd get over the line. Was, um, when we came back this year, we just had one focus. Obviously, it was in the All-Ireland. Um, we went through a bad patch in the middle of the year, and I suppose a lot of people wore us off. But... In our own way, we use that as a sport. Um, after we got beaten by Galway and Nathan Roy, we just had a really long chat with ourselves. And um, like we knew every game, like we were going into the down game under pressure, clear game under pressure, and every game we've been under ferocious pressure. Even today, we were under fierce pressure coming up here. Like, and these players are just incredible. Like, just the, the more they were back to the walls, the better it got. And like, you know what we got today, they, they totally deserved. Like, they're just been immense. Like. How did you, did you manage to keep out the noise? Because after beating Galway, Kilkenny, you know... Very easy, because we, we have a lot of heart in this, like, you know? Okay. So, like, we, we, we knew if we performed, if we put in a big performance, we could be close enough to it today to, at the end, like, but... Um, that's all we, were concerned, like, all we were concerned about ourselves. We had a few matchups, but we were just concerned about our own performance, and, like, as I say, like, that's what, that's what we got today, and it's just incredible. And, how did you cope with the fact that you were such red hot favourites? We we didn't focus on like we, we, we didn't take any notice of it. We we, we, all we, all we were concerned about our performance. We just we, we, we came down to each quarter, what we had to do with the ball, even even the players themselves drove it that we it was every ball, every minute, every ball. So like we, we didn't get carried away, we didn't like it didn't put us off, it didn't put us on, it didn't didn't make a difference to us what anyone else thought. Like, you know, like they were the same people I suppose were cutting the day they sort of us after losing the, the water from the Muslim Championship and we lost four games in a row so we were concerned about anything else we were just interested in getting our 29 title back to Cork Matt you spoke from the year you said you felt you hadn't peaked yet as you were getting better and better you peaked at the right time today unbelievable like, do you know it's, it's like we were saying this since January that some, some team could get a hammering off us like do you know you, you, 
there's part to be a feel sorry for for Waterford, like but like you know we were, we were creating goal chances, we were getting a couple, we got three against down and three against Clare, but we felt it was more than today of the big days than for the last like, five. Like it's brilliant, like yeah. No, the defence in the first half were the defence was unbelievable. Not though, because again, like we got a penalty decision against us again. Like I just I can't fathom it. Like after having three left against Kilkenny left here, and then we got one put against us. I, I still can't see what it was for. But look, um, the defence were absolutely outstanding. Like yeah. Amy, just could you talk us through what it means? Yeah, it's a very proud day for me, obviously, for my club. I come from a, a quite a small club, a junior club, in the north side of the city. So, you know, we haven't had too much success at club level. <laughs> um, so it's nice to be able to do something like this, um, you know, and represent the club and the area. And, I actually didn't realise I scored a hat-trick until somebody said it to me after the match. Um, which is probably a good thing because we were so focused on you know, the next ball, the next, um, the next pass, whatever it might be. And that might sound so cliche, but that's why we drove it for the last three, four months especially. You know, it was a building process. Everything was a process. We played a certain way and we were adaptable the whole time. And our next focus was, you know, our, our focus was always on the next thing, the next thing. So I didn't really think about, about it too much in the game. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, a, it's nice and it's probably something that you know, you wouldn't even dream of, really. Uh, when you were going through that bad patch, as the manager talked about there, how was your mood like that? Uh, to be honest, like, while people were saying we went through a bad patch, there was only once or twice that we actually played quite poorly. We actually performed quite well throughout that bad patch. And I think the most important thing was that we, we stuck together as a group and you know, we really trusted in what our management team was doing and they really trusted us as players. So we didn't panic. There was no, no panic within our group and I think that was the most important thing for, for this year, especially, you know, nothing outside of our group mattered. Um, you know, and you were talking earlier about like the favourites type. Like, to be honest, like, I don't even think we, we knew we were favourites because we didn't take any notice. You know, we didn't look on social media. Social media was, was null and void within our group. Nobody read the papers. Nobody took any notice of the news. So while we might have been red hot favourites, none of us took any notice. <laughs> Sorry, Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Just a lot of poor reporters. <laughs> probably do individually but um, on a group level and um, we always try and keep as positive as we possibly can yeah. um, like you know I, I would never ever doubt any player that management have trust in to put next to me or in front of me or behind me you know so I just think what was really important is that we stuck together we were never far off winning any of those games you know it was like these small little percentages and we really focused on them this year um, and here we are today as our Island champions now you know uh, and I suppose Beating Kilkenny and Galway, you know, they were very important in that regard. But then the other side is, which you probably asked that already, you hadn't an all Ireland won after beating Kilkenny and Galway, and your minds had to be right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think what we really did this year is focus on each game, and actually, nearly each phase in each game, like back to even the moment. So, like, every moment that you're on the ball, and then you finish that, and then it's the next one, you know, we actually pulled it right, right back. 
Um, so we really, really just focused on, and it's very cliche to say, but we were focusing on each game as it came. Like, we got drawn with Kilkenny in a quarter final, like, you know, and like one of the top three as we're known as, you know, now is going to be out in a quarter final. Uh, we came over them, then we were hit with Galway or whatever, we had two, set, uh, two weeks to reset, again, do our homework on them, and then come out with a performance that, that we are going to perform and not let them kind of dictate us. So I feel like we brought the game to every team this year, and that was because we stripped everything back and we just focused on each phase, finish the phase, each ball that was coming, just win that ball, move on to the next one. So I could not actually be happier sitting here. <laughs> this is like a dream. <laughs> Can I take you back to actually that Kilkenny game? Because what, like, what Laura says there, like, I mean, you know, it's nearly unprecedented with the money that one of you wanted to be gone. Like, were you, how did you process that? Or how again, how did you deal with it? Was it back to this phase, phase, don't think that in that level? I suppose we just, like, I suppose we just looked at it as another step um, on, the, on the final reward, and that's kind of how we approached it. Um, we knew what Kilkenny's strengths were, you know, we've played each other a number of times over the last number of years, we knew they'd probably get a goal or two possibly against the run of play, so I suppose leading up to that game we just um, prepared as if we needed to play on our terms and if we did um, get hit with a goal or two against the run of play, you know, how do we reset and how do we, you know, get the next score, so um, I suppose we just saw it as, you know, there's three steps to go and um, that was a team that we needed to get out of the way and um, then Galway were obviously the next step and one for the next step. So, you know, I suppose possibly meeting Kilkenny in the quarterfinal allowed just to focus on each game at a time and um, maybe if we had met a weaker team you might be looking kind of more forward but it definitely did, I suppose, reset, er, make us reset and just focus on each game at a time. And, and I suppose, and people would say, oh, it's one side, but I, I, I suppose that's uh, a credit to the respect you showed the bar for that you were ruthless, you know, and that you went down. Yeah, and we've never, we, you know, we've played Waterford a number of times over the last few years between league and Munster Championship, and we, ha we haven't ever found it too easy against Waterford, you know, and they really hit us that day, and perfect we've, like, they outworked us, and the intensity they brought was... You know, they really did beat us all over the field that day. So I think we kind of looked at ourselves collectively and individually. And I think without anyone saying too much, you know, training the next week, I thought it went up a level. Um, individually, you know, we've leaders all over the panel. And I, I just felt training kind of, you know, went up that step. We, we felt we had something to prove. So um, I definitely think that could have been a turning point in our season. And what's, what's the Catalan secret? Good jeans. Is there any more coming? No, well, there's one more. Yeah, no, there's one more, but... No, I think, I suppose we just all love to play and, and you know, we've never really been dragged to the hurling or football field. Sure? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But I think, you know, we just get such enjoyment out of it. And obviously, as Amy said in her speech, like, even as a family, there are probably more bad days than good days. And people probably mightn't see that, you know, outside the household. And it, and it can be very disappointing when you see, you know, how much inter-county and club players at, at this stage put into a year and, you know, you get no reward. So there, pro there probably has been more bad days than good days in our household. But, um, you know, I suppose... We're just so lucky to get this opportunity and um, 
you know, we get a little bit competitive at home as well, I suppose. But no, it's it's great. You it's, concentrated on Camogie this year. Yeah. Did you find you needed to do that? Um, Was the dual issue kind of? I just found that, like. After, I found coming back after a defeat last year in both football and Camogie, mm. I found it very hard to face in that again this year and um, even playing dual at senior level so I just found it very hard to bounce back this year I kind of felt if I focused on one you know would I get the reward so that's one of the chance I took and I suppose I'm happy with my decision today yeah. 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 Matthew, yeah. this is your first title as manager Obviously, last year you, you took over last year, and obviously there was a big, big job. So, how are you feeling tonight now at the moment? Believe yeah. it. You seem very calm, very laid back. You're not like the. No, I, I'd say that's just, that's fast. I'd say it's relief. probably a bit of shock. It's yeah. massive relief um, to know, like to, to lose all Ireland last year was very hard. But yeah. we're just to know we we learned so much last year, but. Yeah. We kind of had an idea ourselves how we could change it. Like, I mean, we were just very, very lucky. We got a coach like Liam Cronin, and he's he's meticulous. Like, I don't know, he's top, top class. Like, he's, you know, we, like we were lucky with the management we went last year, but this year it just went, it just went a different direction. It was more kind of forward thinking, but it, the way he broke down the game, explained to the players, made it so, so simple. Like, we were very confident if we just kept to the process that he was implementing, we were, we we're going to, you know, be successful. As as Amy said, even in the dark times, we were able to analyze the game and see. You know exactly where we went wrong, and and you know just it was, it was tweaking more than you know pressing the nuclear bomb. But um, you know, you know I suppose like after losing three finals, I I, I tried to black it out of my head all week. Really, you know, I was just as I say, there was so much going on the organisation for today, making sure all the players were right. But it is massive relief, you know. Yeah. And as well as that, I met you have, as you say, we caught you win since 2018. But this win is coming on the back of. Seven titles between minor and 16 because there have been four minor titles and three 16 titles in, in four years. There have been seven underage titles in those four years, four minor and three 16. So obviously the foundations are being put in place all the time. So without a doubt, and, and the production line is there. Absolutely, and, and it's like they had a successful year again this year, like, and, and, and it's, it's brilliant. Like, you know, we would be saying Cork haven't won it since 2018, but we've 32 on the panel, 12. All our members, 20 haven't, they have no, but um, that's, that, that was still a massive motivation for, you know, there were some players, like, you know, we, we, we had a wealth of experience with the likes of the lads alongside me, you know, wealth of experience, and then the, the rest of the players were just, they brought a fierce hunger to it, so we were just extremely lucky, and look, we got, a, we got on a kind of a, a roll, it was like a train, you know, we just, like, like even the first half against Down, we were under pressure, and we, were, we weren't relaxed, and then as soon as we started getting the scores, you could see the whole dynamics, the, even the body language of the players, the fear of losing was gone and just, then you could see like, oh yeah, what we're doing is right and it, it works and, and then we just, you know, progressed as, as, as we went along then. You, you said you weren't aware that you scored a hat-trick. I think you scored one, I think, a 3-7-10 shots I think it was. Are you aware that you're having a day of days that you can <laughs> I actually went practicing the freeze yesterday. I don't think one went over right off my body. It's going to kill me. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I suppose like you, you do have days where everything you hit goes over, and it's nice to have those days, and they don't come around too often. Um, but yeah, I suppose when you hit the slur, you just have it. It's a different feeling, I suppose, on, on the box of the hurley. Um, so it was nice to get one of those days today. 
in the last 15 minutes like, when you're in control of another and trying what's that for you? I suppose we've never probably been in that position before. It's always been, you know, helter-skelter until the, the final whistle. So it was probably nice to kind of enjoy the last couple of minutes anyway. You know, when it was 62, 63 minutes on the clock, you know, there's um, a huge deficit. So it was highly unlikely that they were going to come back. So it was nice to kind of take it all in and have a look around, you know. Um, and it was very a huge feeling of satisfaction I would say because of all of the work that we've put in and you know when you see different types of plays that we've practiced over and over again coming out on a day like today it's brilliant. Um, I know I was saying I think Orla now has won at every level so she's actually passing me out on uh, the minor and senior but um, no I, I, I do think you know today's was probably extra special because um, you know, after the hurt of the last number of years, I suppose when we came onto the panel initially, I think the first year I came on was 2015 and we won that final and you probably think, you know, that's just going to happen every year. So I definitely think, you know, today when the final I still went, it's probably one of my favourite mem- sporting memories and um, I suppose a lot of us would have played underage together who be the so-called older players on, in the group <laughs> now. So, you know, that's just extra special and I'm just delighted. Oh, the management team was phenomenal. Um, there wasn't one stone left unturned. Um, between like physio, um, manager, trainer, like kit lads, you know, SNCs, it was um, there was no stone left unturned and the standard that they um, set and then we matched or whatever just made it all come together again this year, yeah. Laura, given how last year's point and start the GM space, the importance of it in the road running as you seen very far up to the Yeah. I'd be wrecked from the fist bumps. And the, yeah, no, uh, something that we kinda of focused on this year was like um, playing the game in quarters. Um, so we went out, just played the first fifteen. Once the first fifteen's over, it's kind of like starting a new game again play another 15 and then it comes into half time. So we broke it into quarters, so I think that kind of gave us focus, you know, um, run your ass off and work as hard as you can for 15 minutes and then see where that takes you and then start all over again for another 15 minutes. So I think that's something that we focused on this year. Um, so we, we, were, we were gunning to get going though, like as in we had trained so hard all year and these are the places where you want to play um, and this, these are the places where you want to be. So I think everybody was looking forward to today. Um, as much as people were probably nervous as well, um, but we were waiting for the ball to be thrown in early since Friday night, I think. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6pm. Now on Cork Street FM's Big Red Bench, ahead of the opening weekend of the 2023-24 Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship, in which Munster begin their search for three in a row away to Ulster. We are absolutely delighted to be joined by two of those Munster senior players, the captain, Nicole Cronin, and also Kate Flannery, as well as our regular Munster women's rugby expert, Wendy Keenan. Nicole, uh, you're very welcome to the Big Red Bench. How are you? I'm good, how are you buddy? I'm doing alright buddy, I'm doing great, it's lovely to talk to you and thanks for taking time uh, to talk to us, we know how busy the build up is uh, to this big match at the weekend against Ulster and Kate Flannery, thanks very very much for joining us as well here on the Big Red Bench, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks so much for having me as well. It's great to talk to the two of you. And as ever, we can't do a Munster Women's Rugby segment without our resident Cork Shred FM rugby <laughs> expert. And that is Wendy Keenan. Wendy, how are you? 
And great, Jared. Thanks, million. Delighted to be back and kicking off our season at last. Yeah, kicking it off in a big way with two players here on the show. But before we talk to those two players, uh, Wendy, I mentioned on Saturday, August the 12th, Munster away to Ulster in the Armagh Rugby FC grounds at three o'clock. In round two, Munster will host Connacht at Musgrave Park, which is a fantastic on August 19th. And then the third round on August 26th, Munster travel to Leinster uh, in Energia Park to take on Leinster in the final round ro- of the round robin games but you have news for us about the finals and where the this year's interprovincial championship finals will take place yeah Joe, we're absolutely delighted we're going to be hosting them in Musgrave Park on the 2nd of September so, <laughs> <laughs> unexpected news I think we all thought we'd be going to Dublin but um, absolutely look it's wonderful it's, it's an occasion for us to showcase you know uh, women's rugby you know what I mean in our, our home stadium so we're really looking forward to it and a lovely opportunity for the clubs to come and support and see the girls playing, but also to kick off their own stadium and bring their minis, 14, 16s, 18s, uh, you know what I mean, along to the matches. It certainly is. And it's another good news story for Munster Women's Rugby. Now, Nicole, as captain, we can't preempt anything here, nor, nor do we want to preempt anything because you've got three tough games to get through first to get that opportunity to play in the final at Musgrave Park. You start this weekend, though, in Armagh, which is an unusual and a new location, I would imagine, for you. As captain, how proud are you to lead the province uh, looking for three in a row? Um, I've had an awful lot of incredible moments in my life, and leading Munster is 100% up there. Um, leading Munster out is just a different kettle of fish. It's it's actually life, but it, you have a job to do. Mm. You have to get out there. You have to do it. And as Wendy was saying, like we have a target on our back, and for a very long time, I didn't know what being hunted was, and I actually quite enjoyed the situation. I'm like everyone's after us, and it's an absolute joy. Yeah. Um, Kate, from your point of view, like your captain is obviously, she leads by example, but she's right. I mean, you, when you're going for three in a row, not just Leinster, but Connacht and Ulster, an opportunity to take the scalp of Munster uh, is something that they'd be gunning for, an opportunity to kickstart their own season. So how have preparations gone in the build-up to the uh, to the Ulster game this season for you? Um, because it's a really big game that you need to you need to hit the ground running in. Yeah, no, it's gone very good. Uh, we started off our season with a bit of pre-season, doing more so fitness. But in the last three weeks, we've been really preparing for the match and as we did as we were successful last year we just want to build on that so we want to be even better this year more clinical because although we were successful there was parts of the game last year that we can work on so we just want to bring our game to each of the provinces and take each game as it comes yeah and that's really the the most sensible approach and you were telling me just before uh, we started recording like some of the people that are on the sideline for Munster this year obviously you've got Neve Briggs and Fiona Hayes there but the likes of Ian Costello Sean Cronin who our captain might or might not know we'll check with her there in a second and Ian Keatley these kind of technical players with this experience along with Neve and Fiona I mean that must Kate from your point of view and the players point of view must be a fantastic boost to get that expertise onto the training ground uh, to improve you as players yeah it definitely has they've brought a lot like especially Ian Costello and Ian Keatley, they've been working with the back, so it's class to have their say, especially with Ian Keatley, he's been coming on helping us with kicking as he used to play out half, but I think just that experience and how good work they've done with the Munster senior men this year, it really helps bringing that into our squad. And uh, for the captain as well, as I mentioned, there's some serious coaching talent on the sideline, Neve Briggs and Fiona Hayes, I know we know all about, but that Sean Cronin guy, would he be of any use to you at all, Nicole? 
from a professional point of view, no. From a family point of view, yes. Because you're related, is uh, that correct? He, he's my first cousin. Very good. I'm assuming that's what you were getting That's at. what I was getting at, yeah. Uh, absolutely. He's my first cousin. My dad's his godfather. Um, yeah, he's been incredible now, to be honest. He's new to coaching. And he's incredible. We we always talk an awful lot about um, just because they're players, they know what they do. He's actually manufactured um, to be able to be a coach. Hmm. And he, he stepped in and I can see Sean going a long way and he's really helpful to us. Even from a backline point of view, I'm pretty sure he was the fastest back for a very long time. But um, no, it's incredible. I love the fact that we have Kazi. I love the fact that we have Sean Crone and Nink Eatley and Tommy O'Donnell. They, they add everything and I think they're going to be the reason we get three in a row. Okay, okay, bullish, bullish. Well, we'll keep the predictions for the end of the of the interview now, but it's good to know where we're heading with it. And just on that, Nicole, I mean, did, is that freshness compared like what you've had for the last two years? Is it important that you keep having new voices come in at this time of the year to keep things fresh and to keep people on their toes? Yeah, absolutely. If I was to be totally honest, um, sometimes voices get dead mm. and sometimes you just get a little bit tired listening to the same voice and we had great two years with Matt Brown and Mike Story and Eve Briggs and I know Briggsy is still involved but like we have new voices right now and they're changing the way they're making the men's game come into the women's game and it's a little bit a little bit different and we appreciate what the lads done prior but when you're looking for three and row, you need to be a little bit rootless. Mm. And having men's coaches is a little bit different. And the change of voice is different. Briggsy is still Briggsy. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's very different. Yeah, it sounds like it's been a freshness. I think that's the key thing for Munster heading into this, that you've got those new voices, new ways and new techniques that's going to help you. Um, at senior level, Kate Flannery, you're like Nicole, you've come through the Munster pathways. And it's something we talk a lot about with Wendy um, here on Cork Street FM's Big Red, ben- Red Bench quite a lot. But as a senior player now in the Munster setup, you know, and an Irish, um, uh, I should also mention an Irish under, um, a 20 under international Talk to me about the pathways because a lot of young girls that listen to this show want to know what it's like and want to know what's involved coming through the pathway as a young girl right the way through to senior. It's obviously worked for you, but a, a lot of hard work, but a, a worthwhile venture. Yeah. So I started playing with Feather when I was younger. I'd say I was about 10. Started with the girls team there. And then the first step was so I joined the under 17. They had a monster development squad. So we started training outside just our club and like that in it was such a big step for us all like the first time playing at a higher level and then from that the next summer they started the under 18 interpros which was really good because we got a chance to play like put our all our training into practice and we played each of the provinces which is a huge opportunity because we got to see the level of each province other than ourselves and then from there after playing with the under 18s I joined a senior club with UL Bows where I'm playing now 
and from there got the chance to train with the Munster senior team. And I think the in the up along was so important because it's important from a young age to know what it's like to like represent your province. Like we got to learn like what you have to do, the values, and we got to step up to that level from a young age. So I think that really definitely helped. Because even talking to some of the older girls who started who are on the squad who started playing later, they said they never got to chat the chance to play Munster at a young age and they said if they could go back they wish they got that opportunity so I'm so grateful that we did get the chance to play at that level so young. Yeah and it, clearly it, it's worked for you um, because you, as you say you're ready now when you reach this actual level um, and Nicole from your point of view I mean you know as captain you know you've got you've got your own position to worry about you've got your own things to do out in the pitch how easy a dressing room is this to look after likes of Kate Flannery are they well behaved are they easy do they listen or uh, do you have to do a bit of extra shouting with some of them I'm not going to tell you where they're like so we're about to, to bounce into an Interpro happening in the same year as the first Interpro happened These are the greatest kids that I've ever interpreted. They just want to play rugby. They just want to get out new, no new looks. Mm. And half of the time, you don't even know how to help them because <laughs> they're so intelligent. Um, they live a life that is very different. There's a lot of no stress, yeah. no stress, and they they just go. And I really encourage the new players to go about their business. I want them to do it, as in we change guard all the time. Um, Kay Flannery is now the new person that's going to change guard. Okay. Kate, how do you feel about that? You're being put on the spot there. No, you're you're going to be the game changer. Should we be talking to you? Is that your new nickname, by the way? <laughs> no, like that's obviously such a good compliment to get from Nicole of all people as well. Like, because she's been such a role model coming into the team, especially yes. like I can look up to her in my position and everything. And it's just it makes it so much easier to come into this environment when the people you're looking up to are so welcoming and nice and there to help you. So I think it's definitely down to the older players for making us feel welcome being able to express ourselves on the pitch yeah and it sounds like it's a very settled camp it sounds like a camp that's been through a lot of preparation with all the new voices alongside Neil Briggs and Fiona Hayes as we mentioned Ian Costello Sean Crowley and Keatley just to name a few obviously preparations couldn't have been any better for you and it's important that they were because you're travelling to Armagh Rugby Grounds um, on August the 12th to take on Ulster now this is a new venue Kate for Munster to take on Ulster in but um, does it really matter where the game is I mean you've got to be honed in on your own job and just get the get those points on the board more than anything else yeah, no, I know. I agree. I don't think we should let the where it's on affect us if it's home or away. And as we know, we've such a good following. Like I'm sure there'll be loads of monster people there to watch. It'll be new because I don't think I've ever played in Armagh before. So yeah, we're just excited. And as I said, we're just going to focus on our job and then see what happens. See what happens. We'll leave the final word to the captain. Um, I think I already know the answer to this, but uh, how? Uh, what do you? Obviously, you want to get get off to a winning start, but to win three in a row would be something extra special. It'd be historic, uh, Nicole. But I mean, you don't want to look beyond the first game. But you seem quite bullish about Munster's chances this year. Is that correct? 
I'm not bullish. Um, I have absolute faith in my squad, which is our squad. Um, I would love it to do three in a row, and it has to be deserving at any stage. Um, I do, uh, put a bet on. You you see okay so on Munster obviously so we're going to keep we're going to hold you to that for here at the end of the championships and we'll get you back on hopefully to look back on uh, on a very very bullish uh, sorry put very, a bet on we'll get the three in a row okay. Well, there's our headline for this week's uh, Big Red Bench uh, podcast. Listen, it's been an absolute pleasure, and we really do appreciate you taking time out of your preparations ahead of the opening weekend of the Vodafone Women's Interprovincial Championship for 2023-24. Munster travelling to Armagh to take on Ulster with a 3 o'clock kickoff on August the 12th. For now, we'll say goodbye to Kate Flannery and Nicole Cronin, and thank you very, very much for your time joining us here on the Big Red Bench. Thanks so much for having us. So there you have it, two Munster players hoping to deliver three in a row. Nicole Cronin, the Munster women's rugby captain, and also Kate Flannery ahead of Munster's trip to Ulster, as we said, in the Armagh Rugby Grounds at three o'clock on Saturday, August the 12th. We'll be talking about that and more and how the Interprovincial Series is going throughout the coming weeks here on the Big Red Bench. But to finish this week's Munster women's rugby segment, Wendy Keenan is still with us and she's going to tell us, uh, give us a quick update on something we spoke about a couple of weeks ago um, and something that we think is going to grow a lot over the coming years and that is the Tag World Cup, Wendy. Yeah, so the Tag Rugby World Cup, um, so I should mention it's not affiliated with the IRFU. Um, however, worth talking about because uh, we had such a monster presence inside in it. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, so well done to Tag Ireland for all of that. And um, so we have, uh, I suppose, I picked out the winning team first to start with, and that was the women's 35. I think the last day we went through each of the divisions and where we'd have representation, nine out of the 20 players were from Munster. Um, and I know we had planned and I got uh, Aroa Garcia to do all the research for me and gave me all the list of names in relation to all the player, players in Munster. But there's actually too many to <laughs> go through, Jar. But uh, nine out of the 20 there from Munster and a wonderful win for them. Very exciting. Do you know I mean to win their, their World Cup in Limerick on the home ground? So they'll be absolutely delighted with that. Great result as well for the, the women's 30s. They came third. And again, 12 out of the 20 are from Munster. It's not just wonderful to see all the all the different players coming through in different levels. So we have the women's 20, 21s. So the young guns, as we'd call them, they came in fourth, did very well. And again, 14 out of the 20 on that from across the country are from Munster. And then the open uh, division for the women, uh, so 15 out of the 20 were actually from uh, from Munster as well. So look, I mean, I know without naming one or two, but we can see some of the players there that have played for Munster. Um, like Christine Arthur is there from Tralee, you know, she also does dual status with Balling Pollock. Um, she was uh, playing that uh, in that. And so did a few others. There was a couple of girls from Dolphin and there was four girls from Balling Pollock. I've only picked out one. I hate singling out players, you know what I mean, um, because there's so many of them. But uh, look, a great occasion and congratulations to all the teams involved and uh, great results. Yeah, absolutely. As you said, not affiliated with the RFU, but the Tag Rugby World Cup is something I think that clearly well organised and well run in a fantastic location as ever uh, in Limerick is the best place, one of the best places to host any kind of sporting event like that. And the fact that so many Munster players are still involved in it means I think we're going to be talking about this perhaps a lot more in the years to come, Wendy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I won't name the name, but I got a text because I was just doing a little bit of research myself and uh, I got a text back to know, Wendy, could I switch over to, to and join the club and play a rugby union? So, 
you know, we talk about those transferable skills, you know, mm. um, obviously they've speed, they've got their hands, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so look, wouldn't be wonderful if we had a few more players, uh, you know, transferring across. And even the girls that didn't, the girls that are registered with their clubs that are playing away, they now have a World Cup under the belt, you know what I mean, before they go back into their, to the start their pre-season training going into their next season. So, look, just uh, just great to see it. Yeah, really good positive story all around. And, and like any time uh, an event like this, when it's got a world, uh, you know, in front of it, it's it's certainly worth talking about. And the fact that so many Munster players that you've said, past and present, um, took an interest and got involved and were successful in it, means it is worth talking about. And maybe something that we will see rise and grow even more um, as the years go on. But um, yeah, fantastic. And well done to everybody, uh, not just the people we could, as you said, there's just too many players to, to list on it. We'd have to do a whole podcast on it. But well done to everybody from the Munster Women's Rugby Setup that got involved in that um, look it's been an action packed segment all roads lead to Armagh Rugby Grounds on the Saturday August the 12th where Munster begin the defence of their Vodafone Women's in the Provincial Championship against Ulster and some fantastic big weekends to come over the coming weeks Wendy and uh, it'll be fantastic to have Wendy Keenan here on the big red bench to take us through all of that and a real treat as well tonight to talk to Nicole Cronin and Kate Fannery as well so to Wendy Keenan for organising all that for us uh, on behalf of the big red bench thank you very much and we'll talk again next week you're very welcome and look, fingers crossed, we'll all be behind our girls in red for, for next Saturday. Oh yes, all the best to Monster and Red FM and Wendy Keane, we're all behind you. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Resident Red FM Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley joins me on the Big Red Bench to discuss all the latest on and off track Formula One headlines around the 2023 season. You can find more of Sarah McKenzie Foley's expert Formula One analysis on her active social media accounts on YouTube, Sarah McKenzie F1, Instagram, MacGram underscore, and on Twitter, MacTweets underscore. Okay, so there's a bit of a gap to the next Formula One Grand Prix, but that doesn't mean that the wheels of information and speculation and rumours stop turning. So I'm delighted to welcome uh, Cork's Red FM's Big Red Bench resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie back on the show to talk about uh, all the latest off-track happenings. And as we say, Sarah, even though there's no racing, there's still a lot of things going on. You know, there's we're never short of an old headline or two in, in Formula <sighs> 1. For good or for bad, there's always something to talk about. An old headline or two is a good way to segue into the first of those <laughs> old headlines. Um, Formula 1 Academy is something we've spoken about before, but not with quite a while. But there's news on it and movement that involves all 10 Formula 1 teams. What is that? Yeah, so we had chatted before about, you know, some of the reasons why maybe Formula One Academy was more likely to succeed than W Series did. And one of my big beliefs as to why it will is because it's under the Formula One umbrella, I suppose, or under that kind of family, you could say. And they've really put that into a more solidified place because they've announced that from next season onwards, all 10 Formula One teams will essentially nominate one F1 Academy driver and they'll have their livery actually on on a car as well that's competing in the F1 Academy. So it's it's a pretty big commitment. You know, it's it's also, it's going to open things up to broadcast, which is something that's been sorely missed from the F1 Academy this year. It's not been available to watch anywhere at all. Uh, live so you know all they've had is really highlight reels on their youtube every week and then besides that live timing screens on a website which is like back to your like teletext days where you're watching the the results come in so it'll be good although there's no broadcast partner yet confirmed i think we can assume there's going to be something there 
related to Sky, perhaps. And I think the the biggest thing here is that they're really building on the momentum of the series already. You know, it's not the first year is not yet finished, and they've already said, okay, we're going to commit. The teams are going to commit money. They're going to commit their livery, which involves all their sponsors, etc., to this. And they're also from next year going to broadcast and they're also going to run a support races to the the Formula One Grand Prix. So I think all of these things are really, really positive indicators. They are. And the timing is interesting as well, I suppose, uh, you know, coming in between a lot of the Grand Prix that are going on at the moment, confirmation of this is no harm to keep the Formula One headlines churning. And here we are talking about it. Um, any idea, will this involve female drivers at some point, Sarah, or is this completely separate or is this just something at the moment that's just teams looking at young male drivers? But is, is there an opportunity here for a pathway for female drivers possibly? Definitely. I mean, F1 Academy is all about essentially building that pathway, as you said, to the first female F1 driver. And I think I think it will help massively having that commitment from those teams. And I also think that realistically what needs to happen is the female drivers that are coming out of that series, they need to move into the other feeder series like F2 and uh, F3 perhaps in order to be competing against male counterparts because I don't think there's any sense in you know, having two separate paths and trying to promote someone from a series where they're not competing against the, you know, the types of drivers that they're going to see ultimately at the, the top tier. So I think it, it's definitely going a long way towards building that that path. And we've been shouting about it for years. There's, you know, a very strong goal out there that the, you know, F1 wants to have a full-time female F1 driver by 2030. And, you know, that's that's a pretty fast acceleration if they're going to meet that target, if you think about the history of the sport, how long it's been going. So definitely positive signals, but a lot of work still still left to go. Yeah, and I think that's a good that's a good point. It's a great announcement. It's a positive announcement. And I think like when Sky have a channel dedicated to Formula One, they're only looking for new content in between races to fill. So why not fill it with the up and coming mm-hmm. drivers, give those drivers an opportunity to tell the world who they are, show their skills and build their fan base. And why can't that be a female driver at some point and drivers as time goes on? Uh, we'll keep an eye on that over the coming weeks and months, but it's good. It's a good positive step in terms of an F1 Academy. And as you said, anything with a livery on it. Uh, from any of the Formula 1 teams is going to attract attention from people who would know anything about it and so hopefully that will go hand in hand and who knows it might even come uh, to be a Netflix series because we've seen enough of those oh, at the moment <laughs> Netflix next generation there I'm trademarking that um, <laughs> even though there's no racing as we said at the moment there's no Grand Prix in, uh, coming up for another few weeks contract negotiations are very very high in the agenda right now let's start with uh, Ferrari driver uh, Sarah what's the news on Charles Leclerc yeah, so allegedly Leclerc has signed a contract extension with Ferrari that would see him staying there until at least the end of 2026 with an option to add that another three years onto that afterwards. Um, it's interesting timing because as we know, in 2026, there is a huge number of new regulations that are coming in related to fuel and things like that. And I think it's going to be, I think it's probably going to be a bit of a watershed moment. So you know, the fact that he's committing allegedly, as I say, not confirmed to Ferrari beyond that is interesting because he must have some sort of faith or alternatively, he hasn't got any other better offer um, because allegedly the amount that we're talking about is in, you know, above a hundred million for this contract. So that's huge money. And 
as we know, sports ultimately, particularly Formula One, money is what makes what that world go round. And it'll be interesting to see whether this is true. Um, but I think I think Ferrari are quite committed to Charles Leclerc, and I think it's up to him really to decide whether he's he's got enough faith, like I say, because I don't necessarily think he's been given enough reason to stay there for the next, say, six years. But perhaps he's seeing things that we're not behind the scenes. Yeah, it's an interesting point. I I, I, I was just thinking there when you mentioned Leclerc and the length of the, potentially again, the length of the contract, because it's not confirmed, but we're just going on what we're hearing and reading online. Um, Ferrari have a very good track record, pardon the pun, with the likes of Jean Alessi, Gerhard Berger, Schumacher when he was paid by Shell down through the years, but Eddie Irvine and a few others as well. They do stick by their drivers. They do like longevity. It's not... Uh, it's it's not unusual for something like this to come along, and I think if they've got, I, I think I actually flip it on its head, Sarah. I think Ferrari got faith in Leclerc, and I've seen mm-hmm. signs this year. I, I've been cribbing long enough talking to you down through the years about get some get some serious drivers. Look, you know, drive with a bit of intent or drive with a bit drive angry for a change. And Leclerc has shown that a couple of times this year, maybe mm-hmm. with the right machinery, maybe with the right setup. You know, he could go a bit further up the grid. And I think just he's in the right team in terms of long-term contracts. You know, who knows in two or three years' time what way the landscape is going to look. Um, I have a fair idea if Adrian Newey's still around, but Ferrari clearly have the budget. And they, I think if they show faith in him like this, if this is true and if it goes for that length of the time, would you agree that that's the kind of thing Leclerc, you know, might get the best of Leclerc that he's got? you know, sustainability, he's got money behind him, he doesn't have to worry about, not that he has to worry anyway, but he doesn't have to worry about it anymore, that that might get another cup drop of percentages out of him, or am I reading too much into it? I mean, possibly, you know, there's there's so many different motivators for these guys, and I think it's it's what you're describing is kind of similar to the long-term situation that Lando Norris committed to with McLaren, who have been very poor and were very poor at the time that he signed that contract. Now, he wasn't being given the kind of money we're talking about with Leclerc, but Again, it is at the end of the day, it is a team sport and the driver and the team really do have to believe in each other because we've seen, you know, even some of the drivers that you mentioned from, you know, speaking historically, like the there's been times where they and the team did not gel and it does come out on the track. So I think anything, like you said, that will strengthen that relationship if they are targeting him for a very long term relationship, I think that that makes sense. Yeah, quite possibly. Um, speaking of long-term relationships, speaking of difficulties with long-term relationships and speaking of all kinds of headlines, let's add another one to your favourite driver, Sir Lewis Hamilton. Why is he in the news there? This happens every time that <laughs> Hamilton's contract comes up. There's just, all right, how much is it? What are the clauses that allow him to go off and do all his other bits that don't you know, involve driving and I think Toto Wolf is like thoroughly sick of talking about this. Um, he was on Desert Island Discs. The, the his episode got released uh, just a couple of days ago, and even there, he was asked. You know, there's there's things he was asked about Lewis there. So, you know, they have both said verbally um, multiple times already over the past couple of weeks. Look, we're committed to each other over at least another two years, possibly more. So, I think you can expect to see by the end of the summer break. I think you know him signing on the dotted line it's just a case of getting the right things in the right places for him because as I mentioned his contracts tend to be a little bit more complicated than the average drivers would with that being said they haven't officially signed George Russell either so there's a there's a little bit of work to be done there but I think there it looks more like 
the Leclerc situation where they're thinking George is the future of the team post Lewis. And I suppose they have to figure out and he has to figure out what does that look like for him in terms of money? Um, Because if he is going to sign this long contract with them, he's going to want to be remunerated, especially if the car gets better and he starts, you know, getting results. I think that's a very good point about George um, and George Russell. I think whatever happens with Hamilton, Russell will be waiting to see what does actually come from this because I believe he could be a number one driver on another team down the road. And why do you want to commit yourself to being Lewis's number two? If all these brand new parts are coming, a redesign next year, who knows how that's going to work out. But if it's positive and if it goes well, like, okay, you can be in the number two car, but I don't think Russell... I think Russell is the kind of guy, he strikes me as the kind of guy who wants his opportunity to shine. And as long as Lewis there, he's not going to get that chance. He'll get a couple of podiums, he might even steal a couple of wins. But all of Mercedes' efforts will go towards Hamilton. Why wouldn't they? With what he's achieved, I don't think there's anything wrong in saying that. So it'll be very interesting to see when that news does break of what, actually, what is actually happening with Hamilton's contract. I'm going to be more interested to see what George Russell does next because I think he's the kind of guy any team, McLaren or Alfa Romeo or somebody like that or Aston Martin, you know, you could bring him in if your car was improving and you can afford to pay him. I think he's the kind of guy who could lead a team but we'll have to wait and see. Let's wrap up uh, this week with more contract news coming from a couple of teams further down the grid. Sarah Haas, Alfa Tauri and Alfa Romeo just to name a few. Yeah, so Haas and Alfa Terry are actually two teams who, similar to Mercedes, they don't have anything on paper for either of their drivers yet for next season, which is interesting because I think it's unusual for this number of drivers' contracts to be running out at the same time. So I think you don't typically get this many kind of question marks as to who is going to be in the cars next year. I do think, though, that Magnussen and... Um, Hulkenberg at Haas have shown really good indicators so far this year. When the car has been good, they've absolutely squeezed the last drop out of it. So I think that they hopefully would be given at least another year. I think it's likely to be short-term contracts, but we'll have to wait and see. And then Alpha Tauri, as we know, there's a whole storm there involving Daniel Ricciardo, Yuki Tsunoda, you know, the Red Bull situation, what's going to happen with Checo Perez. So I think there's a lot to be decided still there um and also just a, a quick mention of Alfa Romeo as you said they obviously have Valtteri Bottas and a longer term contract but Zhou Guan Yu has not yet been confirmed but we're supposed to be going back to China next year and I just he's you know I just think it makes sense to have him there it's the reality of the sport it's the diplomacy of it and I think we can expect to see him still there next year. Yeah, interesting stuff. And uh, as we said, lots of headlines, even though there's not much happening at the moment. The next GP, of course, is uh, the Dutch Grand Prix, which takes place on the circuit Zandvoort. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Apologies to all our Dutch listeners on the 27th of August at two o'clock. Um, as ever, there's news in between uh, all of these races, more news breaking. And every time we we'll get some of that news, we will get you on the show, Sarah, to tell us all about it and give us your expert opinion. But in the, in the interim, where can we find your content and upcoming content across social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter at MacTweets underscore and you can find me on Instagram at MacGram underscore and then you can find all of my Formula One and women in motorsport related videos on YouTube if you search Sarah McKenzie F1. Excellent stuff. Thank you very much once again. Uh, our Corkshot FM's resident Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie Foley for joining us here on the Big Red Bench. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Game on. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. 
Cork and West Cork LGFA club Ibane Ladies Gaelic for Mothers and Others squad will play an exhibition game at halftime in Crow Park on Sunday during one of the three scheduled All-Ireland finals headlined by Dublin versus Kerry's TG Cahar senior decider. The Big Red Bench spoke to three Ibane players Karen O'Callaghan, Gillian Drake and Emer O'Leary ahead of a momentous occasion for the West Cork club. Now we're delighted to be joined here on Cork Short FM's Big Red Bench by three members of the Ibane Ladies LGFA Gaelic Mothers and Others squad who are heading to Croke Park on Sunday to uh, show off their skills at halftime in one of the three All-Ireland finals that are taking place this weekend. The TG Carr LGFA All-Ireland Senior Final, of course, is the headline act, Dublin taking on Kerry. But we will have West Cork representation on the day itself and, and uh, Cork County LGFA representation in the guise, as we said, of the uh, Ibane Ladies LGFA Gaelic Mothers and Others. We're joined by three members of that squad, starting with Karen O'Callaghan. How are you? I'm good, thanks, Chair. And you? Uh, I'm very good. Thank you for joining us in the middle of your family holiday as well. We're apologies for uh, interrupting it, but it's great of you to join us. No bother. We won't keep it too long. And uh, uh, two other members of the squad, Gillian Drake and Emer O'Leary. How are you? Good. Hi, Jer. How are you? I'm really good. Really good. It's lovely to talk to you. Um, this is a big moment for Ibane ladies, uh, Gaelic mothers and others. And Karen, I'm going to start with you. First of all, when did the Ibane Ladies uh, Football Club start? Because I know it's been quite recent, and you know how much of uh, how much of a thrill is this for the people in the squad involved to get to go to Crow Park? Okay, so the, I suppose the parent club Ibane Ladies itself started in 2015, and then the mothers Gaelic mothers another section of it we started last year. Um, and I suppose the reason for starting the Gaelic mothers and others, you know, there's a lot of people involved with the club, and you know, bringing their kids to uh, games and training and everything else. And, uh, you know, we thought it would be nice to get the mothers and others involved in the playing side of things as well. Um, you know, and, and, and I suppose, you know, increase the access to the club within the local areas. Yeah, um, I know you were part of the initial group of people that got this off the ground, but you must be delighted to see how far you've come and now you're heading to Crow Park. Oh, it's amazing. I suppose when, when he kind of um, sat around the... Well, I'd say it was my kitchen table actually in 2015 and decided to run with the idea of a ladies football club. Little did we think that in 2023 we'd be heading to Crow Park. <laughs> you know, so it is amazing. And I suppose the whole idea of the mothers and others, like the support has been fantastic. We now have like 37 members in the Gaelic for Mothers and Others side of the club, uh, which is huge. I think the first night, you know, we went out to training, there was like... Uh, 35 or 36 women showed up now it changes and varies greatly from week to week but like the excitement and opportunities it's created for the local women around has been fantastic yeah that's a real you know I mean to see hear those numbers Gillian um, you know a lot of Gaelic from Mothers for Others in various clubs around Cork have gotten up and running but from from your point of view getting involved with this how did it all come about and how, how have you kept it all going um, well, I suppose we were always dropping our own kids to training and we were kind of kicking around with them and there was talks of the mothers and others team starting and we went down and there was balls and bibs thrown around the place and we had great crack and it's still continuing and it's part of our routine now. Thursday night is our night to go to the pitch and the kids now come with us and kick around behind the the goals and stuff, but it's it's our night. It's it's for time for us to go somewhere. And just on that, I mean, 
Gillian, I mean, that hour, that hour and a half, I mean, we, we kind of laugh and joke about the fact, you know, it's all set up and you've got, you know, 35, 34 or whatever, 37 women together on the pitch. I know the crack is mighty, but there's a serious side to this as well. This is an opportunity, you know, to get healthy, uh, to stay fit uh, and to do it, you know, in, in a community and in a friendly environment. Oh, yeah, it's really important. Like, there's been people moved to the parish and they've said they haven't met anybody because they have small kids and they're not in school. And then they've made now 37 amazing amazing people and they meet them once a week. And, like, it's good for promoting healthy eating too because, you know, um, and all the other things that come with it. And the the bit of fitness is really important to us. And, you know, I think the social side of it too, it's um, it's really good to meet people and have a chat. And yeah, it's fantastic. I suppose as a tip woman. Um, yes, I was going to, co- I was coming to that, Emer, that we were talking yeah. about outsiders coming oh, in. I have to make sure to get it in there now. But yeah, I suppose moving down to the area, like I'm down here seven years and um, it's just great to get out and meet people and go out. And like the girls are saying to the kids, it's my own boy who's pushing me to training every week going, mom, are we going training? Um, I suppose it's social side for both of us, but it's getting down and meeting people in the area um, and just getting to getting to know people. And like you said, a bit of fitness, a bit of exercise, a bit of crack. It's, it's all kind of rolled into one down there every Thursday night. And based on that, um Emer, I would imagine so that excitement now that you do that every week and you play the, you know, you've played in blitzes and you've gone to different places and been involved in you know, those kind of competitions. But going to Crow Park is a whole other uh, kettle of fish. It's, it's the national stadium. There could be oh, thousands of people there. How much um, excitement in the squad is there right now? Oh, there's great excitement. So I suppose uh, most of us who were there have been GA people who have grown up with GA in our houses and all the rest of it. And, you know, everybody wants to make it to Crow Park and and have their day out. So for us to actually get up and get on the, the pitch and be the players on the field, it's absolutely amazing. Everybody's just so excited to get up there. Um, and the buzz around the place is great at the moment. I mean, the, the two parishes, the excitement around the chat whenever you meet people, like everybody's so excited for us. And then all the women are all gung-ho to make our way up to Croker on Sunday. Um so, yeah, it's it's really exciting. And I suppose the kids as well, um, you know, some of the kids, it's their first trip to Crow Park as well, coming up and just getting to see the place and be there. It's amazing. Um, and Gillian, the same kind of question for you. We should probably explain a bit that there's actually three parishes involved here that make up uh, Ibane Ladies uh, LGFA. So it's uh, Barrow, Timaleague and Balanskarty parishes um, all combined to make Ibane. And uh, irrespective of where you come from and what parish you come from, the excitement levels, I mean, this is an opportunity for you as well. Um, you know, it must be a huge thrill to get to, th- to think to get out and uh, get out onto the pitch in an 80,000-seater stadium. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty pretty wild. Yeah, it's like the day we found out there was nothing like the excitement around the place. And even like the last few days, if you went to the shop there, everyone's all excited about it. And even Cool Camp is on this week in our barrio pitch. And it's all the talk of, of this croaker on Sunday and, you know, everyone's behind us from the, the, the parishes around and it's lovely to see even, like even my own, my oldest two boys are going on to up on Sunday and they're so excited about to see the stadium and to see us playing. But like I think the stadium is, yeah, the biggest, biggest excitement. Yeah, and Karen, just on that, like it's it's a lovely 
moment for yourselves for all the effort time and effort that's been put in to, to getting this off the ground but there's an important moment here too for children and for family friends and relations because you're the ones that are going to be out in the pitch you're the ones that are going to be playing at Crow Park and it'll be a lifetime moment for you obviously but for the people watching you close to you as well Oh, absolutely. And I think it's great encouragement for them as well and that they can see that, you know, you can get to Crow Park, um, you know, and to see their mammies or, you know, out there, it's fantastic. And I always say the whole meaning of it too is, you know, monkey see, monkey do. If they can see their mammy can go out and play on Crow Park, then they have, you know, they can work towards it and they can also believe that they could get there someday. Do you know what I mean? I think if you see something happening, um, it it motivates you more that, that it can be achieved, do you know? Yeah, and, and just to add on to that, what Gillian and uh, what Emer were just saying there, Karen, I mean, everybody's very excited in across the three parishes, but the local businesses as well have really rode in behind you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, since the uh, announcement was made about getting to Crow Park, people have contacted loads of members of the club from different areas, you know, offering support, um, providing support, getting there. We've had sponsorship for gear. We've had sponsorship for bags. We've, you know, to support um, us getting there. So I, I really do have to give a shout out to all the local businesses that supported us. It, it has been fantastic. And you know what? It has generated a lot of excitement in mm-hmm. the community, which is great. So based on that excitement, uh, let's go back to you, Emer. You're pretty much, you know, you're, you're the football stars of the areas right now. So there's, you know, you've got to try to keep, keep your feet on the ground. But what about the uh, celebrations afterwards and the kind of celebrations that go on behind the scenes? Can you give me some details on that, please? Absolutely not. <laughs> That's all top secret. Um, no, look, it's it's a great buzz. Um, I suppose one of the main things for it as well is the social aspect of it and getting to meet people and just being able to go out with a bunch of friends afterwards, um, you know, um, that you've shared an experience like that with is incredible. So just to get out afterwards and, and enjoy that, you know, we've had blitzes, we've had matches, you know, last Tuesday night we had a match and it was, pouring rain and there was still 40 women who came out together and into the dressing room afterwards for tea and buns and stuff and you know I think it's a it's a big thing about what the Gaelic for mothers and others is all about is just getting out and and having that social side of things and meeting new people and and having the crack with them so it's been um it's been great yeah and it's uh like you said good to good to meet people and get out and just have a chat and stuff afterwards. I guess, yeah, and, and that's very well said. And I suppose, Gillian, just to add on to that, like this is there's a serious side to this as well from mental health point of view, as we've said, and for keeping fit. But the core of what this is all about, um, Gaelic mother for, Mothers for Others, not just in your own club, but all the clubs that run this, is that to, you know, to give ladies and women, irrespective of their age or irrespective of their skill set, an opportunity to go out and play football. And you're getting the chance to go out in Crow Park and do, uh, to do this now. Um, how much, of, I mean, how exciting is the trip up and maybe the trip down and a late night afterwards? Or is there any plans for that? Uh, well, the trip up, everyone is going up differently. Some people are going up the day before. Some, like, we're, some of us are leaving at 5.30 in the morning to be up. So um, it's... They, even the excitement of that, you know, trying to organise going up and down, and you know, we we got we're hoping for for a few bonfires after we got a Bernie Casey, the comedian, to do a bit of a sketch for us, and he was on about bonfires, so we're hoping we'll have a few bonfires on the Monday night for us. 
That's uh, that's an intriguing prospect. We might have to follow up on that across <laughs> social media. Yeah, big homecoming. Big oh, well, homecoming, I was just yeah. about to come to you uh, for the final word, Karen. Uh, the homecoming, obviously, irrespective of how it goes at Crow Park, it's a special moment for Ibane Ladies, uh, a very very young uh, ladies football club, and the Gaelic uh, for mothers and others know is a, is, a, is an important component of that club. This is a wonderful day, big day, lots of memories to be made. Um, and are you going to give me any details about what will happen off the pitch uh, on Sunday night, late on Sunday night, or even Monday night? Well, as Emer said, it's 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 all top secret, really. Right, but okay. um, there there <laughs> there is uh, we we won't be coming back to the parishes until Monday. We'll put it that way. <laughs> so um, yeah, we'll all look as many as possible. We'll we'll stay together on Sunday night, and um, you know we'll celebrate our moment off the pitch. <laughs> well, um, I certainly look forward to like I have been doing over the last twenty four hours, having left the Crow Park pitch with the Cork Senior Camogie team. Their Instagram. Oh yeah. Uh, posts have been very interesting over the last 24 hours i'm going to be keeping a close <laughs> eye on i yeah. ladies listen um to you karen uh jillian and emer uh, and on behalf of everybody here in corkshire fm and in the big red bench we wish you all the best on this this is a lovely lovely moment to get the chance to play and show your skills and play football um at crow park on tg car all ireland ladies football final day in front of what's going to be a huge crowd because of dublin and kerry's involvement um Good luck to you. Good luck to everybody in the squad. And we might catch up with you. We might leave it a week or two once the excitement has died down just to see how it went. But uh, thank you very much for taking the time to speak to us. Thank you very much, Thanks, Jared. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels, as well as visiting our official website, redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench, Saturday and Sunday from 6pm, Cork's Red FM.